Hello again, everybody. You are back with the Smart Party. We're here to talk again some more about gaming, about role playing, about some experiences, and hopefully just get a conversation going about something cool and Smart Party ish. So it's not a party with just me, it would be a rubbish party with just one person. Um, so we only have two at our parties, which is all right. Okay, so it's not exactly going to fill out a room, but it's, it's, it's my good friend Gaz on the end of the line. Hello, Gaz. I'm where the party's at, Baz, don't worry. And I'm here in spades. <laughs> <laughs> party round Gaz's after recording just knock on the door I'm sure I'll buy you a drink um, right yeah, Gaz let's, let's, let's think up a topic yeah boozy booziness um, let's think up a topic so we were talking before we hit the record button about a bunch of different stuff and I think our thoughts are sort of like heading in one direction so for tonight's discussion we're going to talk about discussion so I guess a few starters for 10 a few topics for consideration is about uh, hobby communities um, do they exist uh, of course they do but in what form and what happens when fans of games get together or what happens when fans want to talk about games that they love or even games that they hate uh, is the internet forum still a place to go to find out more about your thing um, why aren't there millions of people on RPG forums all chattering away all day long um, and if they are, where are they? Because I don't know if I can see them or not. So what what do you do if you want to be like you and me, Gaz, and you can't think of enough to say about gaming? And we have to like get a podcast together so that we can inflict our views on the rest of the world. I know we've got listeners. Where are all the commentators at? Where are all the fans of gaming, mate? Well, if I knew that, <laughs> I'd hmm. go and join him. Uh, I'm probably going to draw a parallel here. I think a lot of the role-playing forums are quite quiet now, or certainly the more, uh, I want to say niche, but like the UK role-players forum, for example, has not got a massive amount going on compared to how it used to. Things like RPGnet still have. Um, so if I can draw a parallel to the Netrunner community, which I'm a part of, there's like a, a UK Netrunners forum, which hasn't got that much activity on it. Uh, and then there's the Steam Hack Forum, which is supposedly the, the competitive sort of edge of network, or that's how they present themselves. That used to have loads of activity, and that's died to nothing again. Uh, and there was lots of the usual hand-rigging as goes on in role-playing communities and other groups when they sort of say, where's everybody gone and why is no one speaking? And the secret I discovered there was there's this thing called Slack, which is an instant right. messaging kind of tool. Uh, and there's there's line and various other ones like it, um, but yeah, all the conversation are basically gone to Slack. So if you if you join that community, the Slack Stem Hat group, um, there's just constant banter from top to finish as soon as you get up in the morning to as soon as you go to bed at night, sort of thing. And there's just lots and lots of chat. And despite even talking on there about can we stick more content back on the forum, that just hasn't happened. And then there's like a UK subgroup to that as well. And one of the things I've noticed in there is kind of like a community feel in that people aren't necessarily talking about Netrunner the whole time. They quite quickly drift off to, I don't know, talking about large vegetables or something like that. That was literally one of the topics that's come up. <laughs> but that makes it feel more like a community. And I think part of the elements of that are you get up in the morning and say, good morning, Slack, or whatever. And there's other people there, and they send you virtual waves back and have a chat, and you say, how are you? And you're like, all right, I've got to go to work in a minute. And then interspersed on the day, there's talk about games or a new card that's come out or what's happened to the Most Wanted League recently or what the FFG World's situations were like. But chucked in the middle, still that kind of genuine chat about how your day's going and, and that sort of stuff. And that makes it feel like possibly it used to do to hang out in a store, which you don't know if goes on as much. So I don't know, maybe... 
there's perhaps other avenues of communication on the internet that the kids are down with that we're a little bit old for. I mean, have you encountered anything like that? Are you on the Twitters or anything like that nature? Yeah, I don't do Twitter, uh, but it's not out of any kind of like, you know, big political choice or philosophical reason. It's just that um, I probably spend, if I'm honest, I don't know, an hour a day going through my social media stuff. Because I, I work in the telecoms industry, so I've normally got a smartphone or a tablet to hand. And, and I'm like everybody else, I think the research shows that people are on that like 180 times a day or something like that. So I'm usually scrolling through something, and that would be a mixture of Facebook, a couple of forums, uh, like UK role players, a bit of EN World on occasion. Um, I'll hop over to RPG Net on a fairly regular basis. And by that, I probably mean two or three times a day. And what else? G Plus. G Plus has got so much going on, I have to mute most of it. And I find an awful lot of my day just goes just sort of scrolling through things. So I suppose I'm, I'm not complaining about, I suppose I am complaining, but there's, not, <laughs> there's no lack of things to look at. But one of the reasons I don't go on Twitter is, is I can't keep anything down to 140 characters. Otherwise, I wouldn't be co-hosting a podcast, would I, for an hour a week? But it, it just seems to be links, really. Um, to to stuff like that and, and I think it wasn't that long ago I used to spend a lot of my time reading blogs they seem to have dried up quite a bit and I used to get involved in fairly lengthy and cool discussions on forums whether it be UK role players or RPG net or Ian world which are the big three I think that I was part of um, some other stuff too a bit of the tavern a bit of story games you know the usual suspects but I don't find very much going on in any of those places so Compare that to kind of my social life at work and with family and stuff, I probably get about 4 million WhatsApp messages a day. And that, <laughs> that sort of goes back to your point, doesn't it? It's a bit more chatty and there's, you know, a couple of emojis yeah. and, a, and a few words, but it's kind of instant and, and the rest of it. So if the conversation is happening, it's probably happening in places that, that I'm not keyed into. But I, I wish that the people would come back and get us old people who've been left behind looking at blank forums. Yeah, I think part of it is the sort of transient nature and the the consumerist nature of people. Certainly, the the young whippersnappers. Let's blame it on the youth of today. We're getting old enough now. Let's do we that. Just, yeah, we can just tell them that it was better when we were boys, and they've messed it all up. But it, it is that sort of thing that because there's so many different avenues of information and ways to get knowledge that you haven't got time to read a three thousand word blog post. What you want, some hundred and forty characters and a link to a thing you're interested in. And if it's not something you're interested in, you want to skip past to the next post immediately to find out what else is good and going on. And the same with EG Plus, it's like overwhelming with information and things that people are doing. The amount of it I'm actually interested in, I don't know. I must skip past, you know, a dozen things every time I go on that I probably would be interested if I stopped long enough to to have a look and get a bit involved in. But there's too much out there, arguably. Why then people don't want to... Well, the converse is, let's put it this way, I've seen this mentioned before on, uh, on G Plus and elsewhere that... If you go to something like a forum and want to talk about something, quite often you can't get the discussion going because people, or some people, certain segments, start saying things like, why do we have to talk about it? Can we not just go and play games? Which seems to be mm. avoiding the whole idea that the forum is the place to go and discuss talking about games when you're not playing them. And I don't understand. There seems to be a real culture in certain circles anyway of let's not discuss these things or if you say something that you like, then they tend to take it as that means you don't like what I do if they don't like it as well and or that that's the one true way to play instead of just being able to discuss a topic and have a, a discussion so I think they've got that kind of double-edged thing of partly people just want to like 
get to the juicy stuff they're really interested in have lots to kind of like grab hold of and then when you do try and drive into some depths people try and you know shut the conversation down like it's like they don't even want other people talking about games almost which is a bit weird what do you think to that um at the risk of agreeing with everything you ever say, which I'm sure I don't. But <laughs> no, you I really totally don't. <laughs> it is totally a thing, mate. I, I kind of it bewilders me when I see conversation cops on forums who aren't even moderators, um, who take it upon themselves to suggest that you know the, a conversation has not even gotten out of hand. We're not talking about people being dicks to each other, which is what you do on the rest of the internet. We're just talking about people not even expressing an opinion, but having the opinion at all and daring to suggest it. And these aren't even controversial opinions. You don't get to police conversations that way. You can steer them by being in them, or you can opt not to be in them. But I don't think it's right to sit on the outside and throw stones. And and I genuinely believe that that joining a forum for the first time could be quite intimidating. because you feel like you don't know the etiquette. It's like walking into a strange pub, isn't it? Even if you know you're going to be meeting friends there, you don't know quite what the rules are. And some forums can be intimidating, but even the really cool, gentle ones that are about role-playing games, where, generally speaking, people are cool and imaginative and creative and, you know, dare I say liberal. I think I'm probably right in saying that. Um, you know, that you'd think that would be a really simple community to join. I don't think it is. Um, I don't know how guilty I've been of that in the past. I'm sure I have been, but I like to think I'm fairly welcoming and join in with conversations and you know, say hi to people and not just jump up and down on people because they like Rollmaster because it's cool and I like it too. Um, but it's it is weird, I think, how how cliquey communities can appear from the outside, and yet as soon as you join them, you feel like you've got to join the clique and be a bit weird about the other people who join. It's, it's kind of like a strange membership sometimes. I, I think fandom and gaming, oh, sometimes the, the, my most least liked thing about gaming is its fandom. And I say that as a fan of a bunch of different things. But yeah, sometimes I love the game. Sometimes I love the system. Sometimes I love the sessions. But I go online to kind of be pleased about it or to ask questions about it, about people who I think might have cool experiences. And I just kind of shake my head and put my mouse back down, to be honest. It's weird. Yeah, I don't. And to be fair, I don't think it is the youth of today, as I was being a bit tongue in cheek, anyway. But I remember when the internet had first started, it was made out of bamboo and stuff. Uh, an exalted first edition was out, and I went on and found a forum, and I was just working out how to use the internet, I guess, around that sort of time properly. Um, and it, they seemed to go into this in depth conversation. I remember it vividly, it was about um, this gold that was in a chest. And just like pages and pages of stuff about it, because essentially in Exalted, for those that don't know, the the money's jade, and you get jade chips or big chunks of jade or whatever, but it's jade. And to my mind, to this day, I still believe what happened was one of the jobbing writers wrote an adventure and put a chest of gold in it. Because why wouldn't you? It's a fantasy, you know, adventure. Sure, it just didn't yeah. know any better. But that spawned like this massive thing for like pages and pages about what that gold meant and who dealt with gold and. Fair play to the guys. They had lots of chat about it, but I sort of went on the forum at one point and said, can we, like, you know, come up with some cool characters or NPCs, please? They start a thread about that, because you seem to be getting, you know, the argument got quite heated and went around in circles and wasn't really going anywhere after a while. Um, and the kind of response was, well, why don't you start one then? So I'm like, okay, cool, I did that, created a couple of characters, posted them up, and got no response. And I find that, that sort of thing really, like, people were willing to, you know, talk for ages about, a typo or you know something that's not been spotted in a bit of content 
but unwilling to add stuff that would be helpful to others in the community. But that's not... Mm. I'm not saying they should have to. You don't know. If if you were playing Exalted back in the 90s or whatever it was, that doesn't mean you have to provide all stuff for other people to play Exalted as well. And if you want to talk about Golden Jade uh, Chicks for hours on end, fill your boots. I just find it surprising that the online community seems to be more about really nitpicky arguments over stuff a lot of the time rather than broad strokes, this stuff's cool, let's share it, get other people to use it. I think that's got better over time due to the, the nature of uh, the technologies we have available and, and blogs being able to upload images and share files and torrents and transfers and all kinds of stuff like that. But I still think right from its inception, people are more willing to go on and argue about little details than uh, talk about stuff constructively with each other or, or build on each other's ideas. Perhaps it's more about my idea is different than yours and I'm going to tell you why you're wrong or try and convince you why I'm right. Yeah, yeah, tell me. Dude, I play D&D and I used to work for Games Workshop. I am well used to having horrific, horrific discussions with people about all kinds of let's pretend. Um, You know, when White Dwarf got rid of its letters page, it was for a reason and they didn't have forums on the Games Workshop site for years. (laughs) As far as I know, they still don't. They just, they wouldn't brook any discussion because it was so toxic and as a, a D&D veteran who's been through, like, you know, well, all the editions, really. Um, it was very, very, very difficult to have a discussion about your dragons or your dungeons for years. And it still is. It still is. I think people are just being a bit more politically correct about their posting now or being a bit more careful around moderators on some of the big sites. But you can still see the aggression that's between the lines in some of the posts and as you say, it's incredibly difficult to just say, I fancy running an adventure next weekend. I've got a couple of ideas in mind. Let me run this past you. You know, what sort of monsters do you think I'm missing out on here? Or, or what would be a cool magic item to drop in? I've got, got this much of a plan. What do you reckon, guys? Or what have you done recently? That will get you maybe two responses. But if you put on there something about uh, Our Barbarians Broken at sixth level, <laughs> 200 responses. Um, <laughs> do, 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 clerics, do clerics need to be balked in the next edition of the game? And you'd better start posting that the day after the last edition came out, because that's all people are interested in. <laughs> and you just you think, I'd, I'd, again, I don't want to be a conversation cop on what other people are saying, but it's amazing what does get conversation um, and the one that gets the least conversation seems to be, should we talk some about cool stuff that's in gaming? Yeah. <laughs> which is, which is why odd. I talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes me wonder why there is such um, such a, you know, they, we've talked about OSR and uh, Black Hack and things like that and people doing their own games and how they want. Um, I'm wondering if that's what legitimizes it almost. So if you're playing the version of D&D that is... Black Hack, if it could be called D&D, and other people get on board with that and play that as well. You've kind of got... That generates its own little community, hasn't it? There's like a bunch of people mm. now who play a Black Hack and like it, and people who are hacking Black Hack, which is hilarious. But that kind of makes it all right. If they'd said, we're playing D&D, and I've cut all these rules out, then I think they'd get a lot more um, contentious discussion and argument on the internet or with from other people about it. But because people do OSR and create a whole new game... I think that gives them the legitimacy to say, I'm playing Black Hack, not I'm playing my own house rules D&D, you know what I mean? And then then the community builds around that, and you get like-minded people who think, I like Black Hack too. And you know it's the same or very similar to a lot of other iterations of D&D or D&D-like retro clans. 
with minor differences. But the fact that you've labelled yours and got that cool cover and, you know, bought the T-shirt and you can chat to other people about it seems to make it all of a sudden, like, that gets you a community around your particular type of D&D and it gives you a shorthand conversation. And people are talking more about how they want to hack it and do more stuff with it than they are D&D in general, for example. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's probably about right. That that mirrors some of my experiences where fans fans have always been tribal. I totally get that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. It's like mods and rockers back in the day or blur and oasis or whatever. There's always going to be tribes. And and I think tribes used to be around game systems and quite specific game systems. You could have a traveller fan and a RuneQuest fan and a Call of Cthulhu fan and so on. But now the tribes seem to be split around um it's not genres, but it will be around quite big things like the OSR as an idea or around fate games as an idea because it's big enough to encompass quite a lot or story games or D&D, which is massive in itself. But people aren't people aren't going on to like Pelgrane website and talking about specifically Knights Black Agents, not in any major way. You know, the, but you but you do have OSR fans who are around the idea of hacking, house ruling, bizarrely about being rules light, which my old school games games never were. But that's another discussion. But it's about a, a kind of a, a manifesto about gaming lifestyle rather than about I've just got this cool game, uh, Swashbucklers of the Seven Skies, to pick a completely random example. Who's doing what with it? That doesn't seem to get much traction, where but but I've I've just joined in with your kind of fan lifestyle and where can I get the logo and the t-shirt and um, can I boost your publication if you boost mine? That that seems slightly orthogonal to the to the fan communities that that I kind of wonder where they are. Yeah, I I, I, I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, I, I know the sort of thing you're talking about. Um, I don't know whether it's giving people that sense of identity to be, for example, part of the fake core crew or whatever it is, and you have to really evangelize about it and all the rest of it. I don't know whether, I don't know. I'm not one of those people, so I'm I'm sort of struggling to kind of put it into words or imagine what might be the motivator for that. But you know, I'm quite happy to have a game of fate, but then you know, I really like Savage Worlds. But then I don't I don't identify as I'm a pinnacle fanboy, and you know. I, I do savage for everything. I also play some hippie indie games, and I've played some D and D, and I played all kinds of stuff. You know, it's all just another game to me. And I've got different styles and preferences, and depending on my mood, I might play a different game. And that all seems fine. I don't know why people need or feel the need to be part of that tribe, but I do see it. I know what you mean. I think it might just be a sense of belonging. It's like having your football club or whatever else. So maybe you've not got uh, a broad experience of games, perhaps. I don't know something like that, but. Um, if you if you kind of buy into the whole, I've got the T-shirt, I've got the desktop saver, and you know I've made my own hack of it. I guess you feel like part of the gang. I don't know. People might just pl- like actually playing our game, and they, so they get really into it, like you do when you've got a band and you get the poster and all the rare EPs that you don't actually need because it's the same songs you already got, but you buy them anyway. That kind of stuff. I don't know. Oh yeah, sure. Done that. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I've I've got boxes of stuff, <laughs> which is. No use to anyone, including me, when I bought it. Um, but it was kind of cool. And stuff like Kickstarter makes that makes that even more possible, or bundles of holding, or, or all that gubbins. And I suppose you know there is an element of like, look at all the stuff I've just bought. 
So you kind of want to justify it to yourself by telling the world. I remember when like um, uh, when Evil Hat did Fate Core and Fate Accelerated, and they finally got around to releasing Fate Dice, which were actually back in the day always quite difficult to get hold of. I think you could only get them from like one place, but they started doing their own sets. I couldn't believe how many photos people were uploading of their dice in their packets <laughs> on their desks or on their kitchen tables. It's like, yeah, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm pleased for you, but it just seems like a an almost a strange thing to evangelise. And they were always labelled with like, you know, dice scene in the wild. Um, <laughs> it's just a bit, it's a bit odd because I mean, God knows I can boost my favourite games, but I'd like to think that I've never actually gone out to the internet or the wider world and started talking about something that hasn't been released yet or basically be the advertising department for a company i can get excited about things if it's personally going to excite me like uh oh there's this cool supplement it's on its way soon i've seen a couple of previews has anybody else seen anything or what do you think we might do with it but just to see what is basically a shared advert uh, for a for a kickstarter or like there's this supplement coming i think you should all buy it seems a strange thing from a punter that seems to have taken fandom to a whole new level. Yeah, I think probably my issue, well, a couple of issues with it, or, or challenges, I would say. One is that I see 57 of them, so if you go on G+, and there's a new Savage Worlds supplement in the offing, like a load of the fans will all share it. So I just see the same image over and over again up and down my feed. And I kind of think that's fine. But the the second part to it is that then none of them that I can discern actually tell me any more information it's just the the copy that's come from the company no one's got hold of a, a playtest copy or you know how to read through or read the intro or had a demo game of it or something like that and going like this is what i thought of it it is all just like all oh, this thing's coming and we should all be excited and you you know we've discussed before with kickstarter it's hard to get excited about that kind of stuff because it's going to be another six to eight months minimum before you actually see a book so you know, for for a few days or a couple of weeks, you just get blitzed by the same image constantly with very little content, and then the game doesn't come out for ages anyway. And it feels a little bit like the BBC twenty four hour news cycle when I don't know something horrible's happened. There's been some shootings or something, and no one's any details, and they just keep telling you the same stuff over and over again. And it's the same two minutes of conversation. They go, oh, well, you know, someone's been shot, and we haven't any details, but we'll try and bring them to you. Six hours later, it's still the same conversation. It's like if you've not got anything to to share. I don't understand why you keep boosting that signal. Like, cool, if you've got new stuff or you've playtested it or you've got something, that's the sort of thing I'd like to hear about. And I think, I don't know, maybe we're just in a bit more of a superficial world. But sort of conversely, I suppose with the Fate thing, for example, I got really wrapped up in that. I mean, I just bought the $10 PDF-only version, but I almost felt part of it. You know, when it did really well and sold thousands of thousands and all that, I thought I'm a little part of that and, you know, I didn't sort of buy the scarf or anything, but it, it, I did feel the community love around it. You know, lots of real enthusiasm for that sort of game and what they were doing with it and the, the fact they put it out to fans to then proofread it and come back with errors and suggestions and that kind of thing. You just felt, for my $10, whatever tiny amount of money that was, that I was part of all that and, you know, give me a little bit of a lift. That's so, fair you know. enough. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, that's totally fair enough. And you do want to feel like you're part of a... Being part of a bigger thing is a cool thing um but i think what what makes it a bit peculiar for me is that it's just so atomized whereas i still think and certainly in the uk i believe this that role playing as a hobby is small enough that you could just be a fan of role playing and i kind of the thing i miss most of all if i'm honest mate is that kind of generalist place you can go 
like a virtual tavern where at one table you've got people playing fate and at one people you've got people playing uh, dogs in the vineyard and at one paper table you've got people playing D D, but everyone meets at the bar and has a pint and just talks about their d4s or whatever the things that we have in common but it's so atomized now like you know pelgrain i think is a great example pelgrain makes some fabulous games and and all interesting to one degree or another um, but there's some really nice stuff they put out from 13th age to Knights back agents to trailer cthulhu to loads of stuff anyway their forums just don't have very much going on but they have a g plus community for each of those games which are kind of buzzing and just feed loads of stuff off of them but that stuff's not very it's quite difficult to archive it's quite difficult to find your way back to a conversation they're kind of like little bursts of comms there's not it's not a place you would go for content um and I kind of miss that element of it that you used to get from... And I suppose this is going back and showing my age a lot, but like when White Dwarf magazine was good, and that was kind of like everybody's current language, you know, everybody would get that, and there'd be something in it for everyone. You couldn't possibly use the whole magazine because well, I wasn't going to run the RuneQuest scenario in there because that wasn't my game, but it didn't mean that I objected it to being in the mag, and you could chat about that. And forums used to be that way for me as well, and people do lament that kind of generic role-playing magazine being on WH Smith's shelves. But I think we've, we've had in the past websites which would have done that job perfectly well, did do that job perfectly well, but they relied on reader content. And I just think that's, there's you know, the reader content now is you would skip the middleman about just giving it out to forums and stuff like that. You'd probably just publish it and get yourself a little group of mini fans under you to boost it. And that's what people seem to be doing instead of talking about stuff and having conversations yeah i know the sort of thing you mean um i think a lot of people just want content as well don't they like they don't necessarily they might be on the move they might be at work they might be just checking some of the bus while they're bored they want to nip on a forum or that kind of thing and just read about stuff but don't necessarily be the ones that actually you know write something up or talk so i suppose we're being relatively negative and they're probably critical people not adding stuff but I think one of the reasons might be that or certainly from conversations I've, I've sort of discerned is that people feel like what they've got to say might not be relevant or as good as what other people are saying or they fear criticism uh, and maybe that's the fault of you know people who people try before and then they get knocked back or they've been to the wrong forum or they get you know a, an unusually harsh response for no particular reason but I think there's definitely you know scope for us growing the community by letting people have a voice and just say what you know say a little bit about what they do and we get that peculiar sort of behavior we've seen it in several forums where people go oh i should probably create a thread about that and then don't yeah. and you kind of like just yeah. create the thread it's all right and you might not get any responses because you know god knows me and you created enough would we'd get virtually none but yeah. you might as well and you know it's not um it's not a value judgment on you if you don't get lots of people writing essays back to you or anything like that. Just, you know, create some stuff. And it might just be a lot of people don't have that little bit of confidence or don't think they've got permission or they're a little mm. bit nervous about what reaction they might get. But, you know, fuck it. If you if you want to talk about some roleplay stuff, get on some forums, G+, wherever, and, and just ask a couple of questions. And don't worry about it if not many people reply because even the best of us, i.e. me and Baz, we don't get replies sometimes either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even reply to half your questions anymore. I've yeah, oh, I know. 
as bad as the rest of them. <laughs> it's weird though, mate. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, people asking for me permission, like, you know, shall I ask this question or start a new thread about it? It's like, I think you just did ask the question <laughs> and <laughs> go ahead. Um, asking for permission to talk on the internet seems weird. You wouldn't do it around the table. This is the thing that, that drives me most mad of all. Or No, it doesn't drive me mad. It, just, it genuinely confuses me. Is This is a hobby which kind of relies on people sitting around the table and having entertainment based on conversation. So it's not like we're all into embroidery or gardening or something like that, which could be quite a solitary pursuit if you wanted it to be. It's a social pursuit that relies on imagination, creativity, being opinionated, frankly, because, you know, you're always being asked what do you do by your GM. Um, so to not be able to pipe up when asked a question because you might feel, well, for whatever reason you might feel, that just strikes me as slightly bizarre. Now, what it might be, and again, I mean, I'm, I know I'm pushing at an open door here or pushing at a closed door perhaps because maybe you just don't get the experience as much as I don't get it, is perhaps there are people who are really only into role-playing when they sit down and put their character sheet on the table. And the minute that someone says, right, that's it for tonight, they fold up their character sheet and don't think about it at all until the next session begins. Maybe that's normal, because that's not my experience. I'm kind of... I love the bit before the game and the bit after the game almost as much, if not as much, as the game itself. And I love sort of going back over it and replaying scenes in my head. And I kind of want to talk about it and I want to evangelize and I want to buy some stuff that week and I want to make some new characters and sketch out some new dungeons. That's it's kind of all encompassing. That's why it's a hobby and not just a pastime. And and I'm sure that hobbyists are supposed to be like full on mental and you can't shut them up about stuff. Except <laughs> in our hobby. Maybe it isn't a hobby. Maybe it is a pastime for ninety percent of its participants. Yeah, I think I think possibly, possibly. Um, and I know. Well, do you know? I mean, a, a section of role players are people who are a little bit socially awkward. I mean, we're all geeks to one extent or another, aren't we? And uh, mm. I know people aren't necessarily as confident or forthright as we are, for example, but. So there's probably an element there of people finding it comfortable to talk in a role-playing environment, whereas you stick them outside that and they've got to put their opinion out on the internet and that's suddenly a whole new ballgame. You know, you've got to get a different set of uh, cojones to start doing that. Whereas if you're in a safe place and you know that your character is expected to speak and people are waiting for that to happen, you'd probably feel a lot more comfortable doing your role-playing. Uh, and then afterwards, maybe loads of, you know, you're replaying all that stuff and, and doing the things that you said, but it's still just going internally in your head and you don't know about sharing mm. it or don't want to or... I guess there are people as well who just don't think about it. I'm sure I've had players in the past who I have to sort of tell them to get started because they seem to come around just for the social. Um, we have a picture and all the rest of it, and an hour later it's like, can we start the fucking game now, please, everybody? And I'm like, it's like, well, no, we've, we've arranged a role-playing game and we've spent an hour chatting. Now we've only got a couple of hours left. Can we actually roll some dice and pretend to be elves for a bit? You know, and then as soon as it's finished, like, oh, yeah, we'll see you next week or something and wobble off and do their other things and go and play football or whatever else they do and not really... They're engaged with the social aspect of it and they're engaged with the activity while it's happening, but they don't seem to have that drive or passion that perhaps we do for it. And, you know, we're, we're doing it because we want to do this thing, not because it's, you know, a few hours out of the house away from the kids or whatever. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, and, and that's all cool as well, I guess. Um, I, I just miss that community spirit. I want, I want to talk about gaming. I mean, I've got my weekly group and 
which we meet up and we play uh, all kinds of stuff. And we play little, you know, six to eight sessions of something, and then we play something else. And um, and those guys have been playing with for literally decades, so they get as much gaming time as I do of a week. Um, sometimes a little bit more if they meet up and play a bit of board games or minis or whatever when we can't all get together. So there's no fewer hours in at the sharp end of the hobby on a weekly basis. But out of my weekly group of about six of us, um, clearly I'm the one who sort of participates in the community, which is fine. And and really none of the other guys do at all. I mean, not at all. I, I think they might dip into the occasional blog post. They may even listen to this podcast. Hi, guys. I've no idea. I don't think they do. I think they just listen to me every week instead live. <laughs> um, but, but if you're listening, guys, it's, yeah, pipe up next time we play D&D. Tell me if you heard this. Um, but that, but they don't. And, and I don't think it's weird for them. And that's because I know them. So that's that maybe maybe I need to sort of like think about this a bit more. And, you know, all of these these the silent majority of gamers who aren't who aren't on forums or blogs or asking questions or participating maybe they are all perfectly happy in their game and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to judge them harshly here or say that they're rubbish I just I just want to hear them actually is what I want um, and I wonder what it is that stops people from from going out there and doing a bit more I, I guess if I were seriously into football I would I would go to all the away games and buy all the kit and and all of that stuff I don't think I'd just sit and watch it at home I think that's for me I, I want to be more of an enthusiast yeah, but would you be on forums talking about it? Would you be arguing over whose fault that goal was last week? And that yeah, yeah. So that, that I think that's yeah, the difference because you can say equally. There's tons of people who are well into football, but they don't go on forums to talk about it. You know, they might listen to it on the radio and they will watch match of the day and they'll read the back papers and the newspapers, but they won't feel the need to write into the you know the the sun or whatever to tell them about their commentary or you know go on a forum to discuss what they thought of what that guy said on Radio Five Live last night necessarily. A lot of people talk to the mates about it or talk at work or down the pub and that kind of thing. But I think the internet kind of community angle of it is something completely different. You have to be especially dedicated to that sort of forum. I probably need a better word than that, but you know what I mean? That, that methodology of communicating and, and talking with strangers and risking getting in arguments. Because as soon as you go on the internet and give an opinion, then there's a billion people who've got the opposite opinion. You want to tell you why you're wrong, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a sense of scale as well, mate. You know, if you are into football, you've got no shortage of places to interact with your enthusiasm, quite apart from going to see a game. You've got millions of things you can do, and you listed some of them just there, whether it be like reading the paper um, or, you know, listening to Five Live or, or whatever. There's no shortage of you being able to, like, you know, listen in. But in our hobby, I, I think, you know, we we could probably fit everybody into one fairly large room a really large room but it, we, but we could fit every every hobbyist i think in the uk into a fairly large room and um on that basis you know we don't have access to to the mainstream media and we don't just chat about it around the water cooler at work with with people we hardly know that just doesn't come into it um we might walk up and down the street in our in our i'm a killer dm t-shirt but it's not the same as the football strips that you see walking up and down the street so because it is so small, and it and I, I assumed for years that people were were totally passionate about it, that you couldn't really be a casual role playing gamer in the year twenty sixteen. That that's that's why I'm surprised that people aren't more vocal, more friendly. Can I say friendly? I think I will say friendly. I'm surprised people aren't more friendly 
And and if people think that the gamers are friendly, great. Let's have a discussion about that. But I, I challenge it. Actually, I think some of them are downright rude. Yeah, off putting. I think, um, and even if it's not rude, I think there is there can be a lack of friendliness in community. Um, just uh, it almost comes down to football teams or some kind of tribal nature. But um, Chimera, our local game store, always has something on seven days a week, and you know most nights uh, there's some kind of event or other, whether it's free play, whether it's role playing, whether it's magic tournaments, whether it's pre-release things that last for forty hours all weekend, or you know whatever it is, tons of different things going on all the time. Um, so you go down there, like I'll go down on a Wednesday and play Netrunner, but there's people playing Game of Thrones. And there's a couple of tables of role players who sit at upper ends of the shop. And there's some guy, bless his cotton socks, he brings a board game every week, a different one, sets it all out, and you know, asks quite often in vain if people want to play a game. And you know, only one in three times does he actually get some people sit down with him and play his board game. But he comes in week in, week out, in the hope that someone will play whatever it is he's brought. But out of all those groups of people, there's very little crossover. You know what I mean? So we we bump past the role players quite a lot to get to the drinks machine or something, but. You say, all right, lads, and you might get a mumbled response back. There's not kind of a, you know, if it was a pub and we've been in that often, all of us, we'd all know each other's names by now, or we'd know what we did for a living and chat and all the rest of it. But, you know, it just doesn't seem to happen. Nobody walks past the netrunner tables and goes, oh, what are you guys up to? Is there a new data pack out or something like that? Even if they're playing Game of Thrones, which is from the same company and has lots of the same sort of look and feel to it, and they're on the same release cycle, and they sat literally right next to us on the next set of tables. There's very little interaction, and I find that weird that you're in this shop surrounded by these pop figures and role-playing books and comics wall-to-wall, all playing geeky stuff, but even though you're all part of that same gaming, geeky sort of culture community, even within it, there's very little interaction, and I find that quite odd. And if, I've tried saying hello to some people sometimes. They just look scared. Perhaps if I was holding on to the game of their choice and I said hello, they'd be a lot more interested, but... I don't know. Uh, the, the only sort of opposite to that man is when I asked the Imperial Assault guys a question about his painted stormtroopers, and he wouldn't show up for about fifteen mm. minutes. Which was you know, <laughs> nice that he wanted to speak to me, but he, he, then you got the complete opposite that he, he told me about. Basically, I know anywhere within a thirty-mile radius now, and what night where I can go to get a game of Imperial Assault, and I need to play both games, not just one of them, and blah 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 blah. <laughs> so, so that's the other kind of extreme you get is people who will talk to you but just want to tell you all about what it is they're doing, and the conversation is not yeah. two-way. In fact, it's not a conversation, is it? You're just being uh, evangelised to. Yeah, I have exactly the same experiences, mate. I mean, it is quite off-putting. Um, I think, I, I hopefully we're going to be. I imagine we'll get a fair amount of challenge on this, and I think we'll get challenge from people who are gregarious, friendly, and cool. Well, you guys ain't the issue. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> you were never the issue. That's not a problem at all. You know, the issue are the, are the people who, you know, um, my wife um, does a bit of role playing on occasion. She's played in my weekly group for a few years. She doesn't do it so much now. She's got other interests and passions. Um, she. She is a reluctant enterer of local game stores, <laughs> to be honest. She would never come to a con um, unless people were going to, you know, guarantee to be playing a specific type of game that she really wanted to play, and she had to know them all in advance. Uh, and she is an outgoing woman and incredibly patient and tolerant, clearly. She married a me. <laughs> um, so, you know, she's, she is no shrinking violet at all. But she will not engage with the gaming community because they are arseholes to her because of her gender frankly they just are and it always takes me by surprise when she says this as if i should have known it all along 
I express disbelief and go, surely not, babe. Everybody's cool and gregarious and friendly and welcoming. <laughs> and they're not. And they're not at all. So white game of privilege, Baz. <laughs> uh, I think so. Yeah, I know nothing. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I think there is. I think out of all the hobbies I know and never have been part of, whatever. Like I think the gaming bond's the most diverse. You know what I mean? I've, uh, going around mm. expos or where the other week, I saw more people who were less abled or of transgender or whatever else than I've seen any group of people of a similar size got together. You know what I mean? I've been to band yeah, gigs sure. and things like that and don't see that mix of different backgrounds and ethnicities and sexual orientations and whatever else, you know, all in one place and all with a shared kind of hobby and passion to one degree or another. So I, found, I still find it odd that uh, norms, in inverted commas, if I may call your wife that, uh, still encounter this barrier, you know what I mean? You, that you can't walk into a game shop and still be, you know, without being looked up and down as if to say what you're doing here, or, you know, that kind of attitude, I guess. I don't know. Well, yeah, but, but you've seen this too, mate, and you, you know it's true. We, we, you know, we've got um, uh, one of the guys in the Smart Party, the extended Smart Party, uh, is a woman. And she comes to gaming conventions and she has fun with us and she plays games and she's super cool. Uh, not that she needs justifying in any sense at all, but she gets looks and comments and all of that stuff purely <laughs> because she's got long hair. And it's bonkers, mate. And it makes you raise your eyebrow and then you think, do I need to say this out loud? And you don't want to step in like, you know, some kind of gallant white knight defending because you don't need defending for goodness sake to do that herself. But it still merits comment. Now it's bonkers. No, I don't get it at all. Yeah, that that's fair enough, actually, Basil. I thought of that. Um, I remember the, the first time she came to one of the, the cons, one of the garrison conventions with us, and people just assumed she was my daughter. Like, because, <laughs> hey, obviously, I Which look ancient. Have happened. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure she found it very insulting because we look nothing like each other. She'd be pleased to uh, tell anyone who cares to ask. Yeah. Um, but the, 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 there was the assumption that she was there because I'd brought her or something like that, or that we brought her. Not that she's just a woman who decided to come to a role-playing convention with her mates. Uh, and then weirdly we went back last time and everybody's like, oh, you came back? In that kind of like half-surprised tone, as if there'd be some reason why she wouldn't come back. or I'd, I don't know. Whereas no one else would get that, you know what I mean? We won't get Jules or Dan or someone like that getting like, a, oh, you came again, did you? Why would they? Oh, yeah, no, fair enough, Baz. I've spotted it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, mate, and you know, coming back to the whole community and fan stuff, mate. You spend any time on the internet with Americans, as you kind of have to if you're into gaming. It's, oh gosh, it's just a hugely complicated, and I won't even try and solve it with you or with anyone for that matter. I really can't be bothered. But any of the isms just just spark off so much, so much trouble. Um, for for good reason, and, and by trouble I mean just you know debate that ends up getting nasty, I suppose. Yes. Um, about any of those things at all, and it becomes not about gaming in the slightest. But but you know gaming does have a problem. There's no doubt about it for me. Um, I didn't think it used to. I mean it did back in the day, but I never thought it did, and I've sort of come round to it and been educated. Thank goodness. Um, scales have fallen from your eyes a little bit, uh, but it's definitely there. There's definitely an issue. And even over in the UK where we think we're all polite and lovely and that there really isn't a problem because, you know, people aren't talking about it, doesn't mean that there isn't problems there. Um, Expo was awesome in the trade hall for exactly the reasons you say, mate. I've never seen so many people together in one place enjoying hobby games from such a diverse range. Um, That is not my experience when you take the, the board games out of the mix 
and just make it about a GM screen and funny shaped dice. I, the, the two communities look and act very differently to me, I think. Yeah, that's a fair point, actually. Just thinking about the role-playing groups I see down at the shop, it's mainly uh, white blocks with the odd lady thrown in there as well. Compared to, you know, playing Legend of the Five Rings, I know there's one guy who's uh, got a wheelchair and there's, you know, all kinds of ethnicity and stuff amongst all the card and board gamers. But yeah, amongst the role players, weirdly, it does tend to be a very narrow group of peoples, I guess. Oh, I wonder why that is. Well, well, I think I have a, an idea. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> or, or at least a theory. At least a theory. So you know, and this is possibly you know subject of another podcast. But but how do you get into gaming these days? This is where I'm coming from with the whole topic today. Is like if you weren't a gamer, but you fancied a go, and you thought, oh, I wonder what that's all about. I might dip me toe in the water. Um, and I'll just stretch that analogy a little bit more by saying, you know, imagine you wanted to get into swimming. It wouldn't take more than a couple of Google searches before you got hooked up with a local club, the way your local pools were, some assistance with it, some advice with it, that you know, and all the kit that you can get. There would be beginners, advanced. It would not be hard to take up swimming as a hobby from nothing to swimming in a pool with some like-minded people. Try that with this hobby. How do you do it these days? Because the friendly local game shop is few and far between but it might still be your first port of call. So you might nip down there. And and you'll get suggestions to this length on the community sites as well, like go down to your friendly local game shop and just join in. Well, you're likely to get, I would posit, the experience that you mentioned, which is loads of people with their backs turned to you, like walking into a Wild West saloon. Um, <laughs> how do you break into that conversation? Or you might want to go along to you know, the Wizards of the Coast website, type in Dungeons and & Dragons and see what happens. And it's a way better than it used to be, don't get me wrong. There's some really cool stuff on there if you're new to gaming. But it's actually really hard to find. So you might bump into uh, something like in our country, the UK Role Players website, which should be a great place to come if you know nothing. But how do you find it out? And it's because everything's been so atomized now that you can't really do much in the way of research online and get anywhere. And if you go and meet actual people, I think... I'd love to think that there's always going to be someone welcoming to shake your hand and say, oh, it's really good of you to, to give this a go. Like, I've got, you know, got some people over here that would love to meet you. And have you tried this? And don't worry about it. First few sessions, it's going to be a bit weird. But, you know, you get to know each other. And there's a few of us have a drink afterwards and so on that you would get from any running club or gardening club or book club or any of those things. I just don't think Amy's got the network set up for it. And if it did have... I would worry about who was going to be the personnel in charge. I genuinely would, because of that ingrained, weird, off-putting attitude that people seem to foster when they get involved in positions like that. Well, there's there's light at the end of the tunnel, Baz, and it's not an oncoming train. So um, that, that we've got a, <laughs> a proliferation these days of like game cafes, to, to put them in a broad group, uh, and there's a ton mm. of that going on. And you can go down and have a latte and play a game of Ticket to Ride or something like that and hang out with people and sort of get a bit of that sort of stuff going. Now, role-playing, as always, gets a little bit of it, a little slice of the cake. But that's because, you know, it's not a big seller compared to selling big board games. But I know there's, there's two, count them, two board game cafes now in the, in Nottingham. and They're both running RPG events, but 
there again, this is relying on the fan community to do something about it. So Mike Mason of Call of Cthulhu and Kersian fame, um, he's pushing quite hard at the minute on his uh, social media to get some people down for this weekend uh, to run a game of Cthulhu, and he's going to do a session, and he's done some at the other cafe as well. Um, so, yeah, by the way, if anybody's in the Nottingham area and fancies running some games or taking part, get down to one of the two game cafes, either Dice Cup or Ludato or something I think it's called. You can find them, Google it. But th- those... Luderati. Luderati, there we go. Um, yeah, so I think they're the problem, the, the inroads, where if you want to get into stuff like that or you hang out in those sort of places and you kind of want to go at role-playing or you want a bit of a go at gaming, there is somewhere you can go that seems normal. It's almost like walking into a Costa or a Nero's or something like that, but you can have a bit of a go at the gaming stuff as well. What they're a little bit rubbish at, if I may say so, is actually doing that organising and getting stuff set up. I think Mike himself had to do a lot of the organisation on previous times he's done it. I know when I've done the the monthly role-playing thing that the local store was trying to do, I had to sort of organise some players and and do something because the the venues will provide the space, but they're a bit rubbish at introducing to other people, and that's all it takes, isn't it? Like you say, when you want to uh, you want to go in somewhere and have someone like that go, oh hi, I'm whatever, and this is whoever, and they're going to run in a game today. You know, you just get that bit of an introduction or that kind of knock the social embarrassment off the edge off the edge of it. You know, and get people chatting and and introduced and know that you know you can sort of have a bit of a relaxed time about it all. So I think probably game cafes is where it's going to be at, but it does seem still very much we need a fan community sort of base for role-playing to get it going because it's not the big seller that you think it would be. Whereas if you want to learn how to play a board game, typically the staff or owners and managers of those places will spend time with you showing you the board game because they've got one in stock and want to sell it to you. The chances of them selling you the full range of D&D are pretty slim. So it's going to require people, fans, us lot to get involved to make that happen. But I think that's probably the conduit of where communities are going to be going forward. Yeah. Yeah, that is encouraging, definitely, because because I'd love to go to a place like that on a regular basis. I don't have one of those nearby to me. Um, I'd definitely go if I could. Uh, and, and I think that something like UK Games Expo this year really opened my eyes to just how much there was going on in hobby gaming, which is your boards and your cards and your minis more than your trad pen and paper stuff. And it was really, really encouraging. Um, and But it does make me wonder whether RPGs can ever claim that kind of crowd because I think surely the thing that attracts you to those sort of other hobby games is is the people who play them as much as the games themselves and um, sorry role players but there's a bunch of board gamers I'd rather spend more time with a lot of the time <laughs> and uh, and if you take that personally please don't I'm talking in generic terms but one one group just looks approachable from a distance and the other one doesn't um, and that might be just because of the way we kind of like hunker down around tables and speak in funny voices sometimes and there's not much to see in the middle of the table necessarily although there can be you know looking at some photos from recent cons it's just a bling fest with loads of yeah. cool stuff and I want to get in there amongst it and muck about with it and push it around and and that's all good um, and I, I love that element of games you know that sort of spectatorness but there there isn't Again, I'll come back to the size of the hobby in this in this country. There still doesn't seem to be anyone who can pull everybody together and and, and have you know like a recruiting wing. You know, there's a lot of stuff in the news about political parties and leaders and the rest of it, but we don't have a role playing political party where where someone's not in charge but just getting stuff organised and sends the masses <laughs> out to recruit and 
get new members and have a club vibe going and discount schemes if that's what it takes and t-shirts for everyone you know it's difficult to be a fan of the hobby as a whole but i think it's easy to be a convert to a specific sub 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 genre and just talk in an echo chamber about stuff all the time with people who are going to do nothing but agree with you yeah well i think companies have done that haven't they there's certainly been chaosium has started their organized play network now or have been in the last few weeks, and I know that Triple H Games and people like that have have got their their fan base, and there's a couple of people who work for all of the big names that we've got out there. So that's good. But like you say, it is a kind of a for that hobby. But then I don't know how would you fund it. We used to have things like the RPGA, didn't we? But they weren't perhaps the most glorious institutions. If I if I look back, how would you create a, a an army of people that would recruit or? volunteer to train or whatever else, you know what I mean? You, you'll perhaps get a group of volunteers together who go to events and run role-playing games, but I think then we need to look at the um, the way we do that, and I think you need to do like the Collective Endeavour used to do back in Dragon Meet um, a few years ago when they were there, and do like 15 minutes and one-hour games, and they were the demos, and you just bang them out and that'd be it, because with attention spans the way they are, and certainly for people new to the hobby, if you want to sit someone down and say, okay, I'm going to demo Cthulhu to you, we'll be here for four hours, that's going to turn them right off. If you can show someone, you know, in less than an hour what role playing's about and let them head off and have a think about it, I think that's a much better way of doing it. But I'm not sure. Where, where would you go then, Baz? You know, if you've got, let's say we could get an army of volunteers together up and down the country and split it by areas and people are willing to travel, and we could guarantee you that you get two or three refs to go to various things. Like, where would you send them to go and mm. do these demos or to draw people in? Or how, how would you go about it? Libraries is what I would do. Um, back in the, back in the days when GW was trying to reach out to communities, it did it through two different ways. And, you know, you can say what you like about GW, but they, they do the numbers, they do the spreadsheets, and they only do stuff that they consider to be effective. Um, and, that, and they went out to local clubs um, and brought them on board. Um, we haven't really talked about clubs very much today. I don't even know if that's still a thing. I have a feeling it isn't. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, they did clubs, and the other thing they did was libraries. And they used retail staff, so they had a built-in army, literally in uniform, which was handy. Um, and they tasked store managers to go and reach out to their local libraries, because local libraries then and now, as far as I know, have a massive issue with attracting uh, young lads, usually. So teenage boys. Um, that was the case back in the 90s. It's, it's probably still exactly the same now. And God knows that stuff like D&D and RuneQuest and the rest of it is a massive turn-on for young boys. So, you know, that was it seemed to be a marriage made in heaven. The libraries wanted people to do events in them. They weren't worried about being silent places. They, they, they haven't been for donkey's years. Libraries can be full of activities and full of cool stuff. Um, as a dad of young kids, you know, there's always stuff going on for toddlers through teenagers and beyond and summer reading festivals and all the rest of it. But it isn't about sitting in silence. And uh, GW would, would put on games, war games, of course, um, and they would drop off loads of their old toot, um, old novels, that kind of thing, stock the shelves, and it would be fantastic. And the kids would get involved, the parents would get involved, they would come back, you know, week after week after week, and it fostered a real kind of club-like atmosphere, but essentially it was nothing more than just demos. Um, and the vast majority of people who got involved in it were just walking past. It wasn't that they came because there was going to be that game on. Um, now, that was an experiment. I don't think it lasted forever, but it was pretty successful while it did. 
Um, and I think that, that libraries are closing down all over the place, but there's more of them than there are friendly local game stores. And I remember even, I live in a, near a city, but I would still go to the library um, back when I was a lad to try and get books that I couldn't necessarily afford. Um, and I think that may even still be true today, even with digital stuff, people might go to libraries. And I think, you know, sticking a D&D player's handbook in every library wouldn't be a bad thing if you really wanted to recruit gamers in your in your town. And that's where I would go. But what do I know? That's off the top of my head. Yeah, they just need to stick some Pokemon in there. Uh, that new Pokemon Go app, I can get them run into libraries. <laughs> yeah, it does. All you, need, all you need is a GM is to set up a Pikachu around your gaming table and you'll soon get a bunch of teenage lads turning up. Don't worry. Yeah, uh, yeah no, that's a good idea. That's... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think you're, you're describing the library which, as it is, and I've got my old fusty memories of how it was, probably. But um, yeah, I guess if you're looking for a place to play as well, they're, and they're looking for events to run, then you've just got to get free space, haven't you, to go and do stuff, which sounds cool. Totally. Yeah, totally. I mean, there is quiet sections. There's like a study section and so on. But, you know, there's places they live and breathe by people coming in through the doors. Uh, I am frankly surprised that role players haven't made more of an inroad into libraries just generally somewhere to meet up you know um is it starbucks is not great for this kind of thing but you know at least those kind of coffee shops are managing to attract some kind of gaming business on an ad hoc basis there's plenty of, there's plenty of card gamers meet up in cafe Nero's and such isn't there but anyway that, that but that that's taken it i suppose that's taken it off into another tangent mate i reckon we should revisit this one about like you know how do you get people into the hobby um i i guess my concern is and the reason I bring it out kind of late in this discussion is that would you want to bring someone into the hobby at the moment, given what I think is is, is the you know is the state of the community? Is the community supportive enough that if you threw some newbies into the pile, would they sink? Would they swim? Would they be welcomed? That's that's the issue for me at the minute. I think people are generally supportive still. Uh, if there are threads that do seem to get activity on the internet, it is when someone says, I'm quite new, I want to try this sort of game, tell me about it. You will get quite a lot of uh, feedback. Or if you say, sell me on Game X, you'll get a lot of opinion on that, generally from the evangelist as well. So, yeah, I mean, recently um, we were at Games Expo and uh, during a drunken conversation late on Saturday night, uh, I was convincing the the lovely Steve Jill's his wife to to role play and, and you know tell her that I would run a game for her the next time she's up and she must play it and she looked terrified not um, not unreasonably with a drunken gaz telling her what she should and shouldn't do with her <laughs> life but um, I think just generally you know she's obviously been married to a role player for many years and she just didn't quite get what it was didn't feel comfortable doing it was a bit unsure of herself. But I think between us, because other people joined in with their opinions, including her husband, was that you know it, it is a really good, fun thing to do and just try it and give it a go and get better. And she's since tried with a, a different GM and she's quite liked it, you know, and got into it that way. So I think, yeah, we can definitely bring people in. I think part of it is not... Um, you can easily get a perception that people are a bit sneery or think it's weird and stuff. But I think a lot of the time it's just people are a little bit self-conscious or uncomfortable, so don't know whether they will like it or if they'll be showing up or if they'll do it wrong or things like that. So... I think once you start down the road of getting involved, everybody's really supportive and, and wants to tell the new person how they should do it based on their own preferences, obviously. But I think there's definitely warmth there once people have expressed that initial interest that they want to get involved in that thing that we're all so passionate about. Um, whether I'd send someone like that onto the forums to go talking to people, 
might advise against it until they're a little bit more comfortable, probably due to the potential for a negative reaction there. But certainly within the communities themselves, I think that's a good thing. Um, you mentioned also clubs. I know that the Milton Keynes club still goes, and, and there's some up and down the country, but that's probably the only one I know about, really. Um, there used to be a thing when I was younger. I, they certainly seem to be disappearing. But even at those, I think that you kind of get that. It's almost like local party uh, politics where you've got people who've got a common goal but don't necessarily have the same idea about things. So there's there's factions within Milton Keynes. I think it's like some people really like the sort of D&D and that kind of element and some people want to try new hippie stuff and there's some people caught in the middle. And So I think even clubs are a bit of a weird place. That's You still get that Wild West feeling if you go into those. Though I know a lot of the guys at Milton Keynes Milton Keynes even uh, and they'll be super welcoming and make sure you get a game and stuff like that but I still think it's a it, it would be a, a slightly odd environment to walk into perhaps uh, but clubs are out there somewhere probably worth a try and see if you can get in with a good group yeah I, I think they are out there and uh, occasionally if I'm going to be like traveling the UK or whatever um, I'll, I'll sort of google up clubs um, or google up friendly local stores see you know if i happen to be on a work trip and i don't know i'll pick one at random if i'm going to be in county durham i have no idea what the club or the game shop scene is like in durham but i'd look it up um I'd, you don't get that many hits uh so i think you know i think clubs and i know of a few around me they're quite insular it's not that they're not they wouldn't say they're not welcoming you know they would never say that and i don't think they are not welcoming but they don't go out of their way to do recruitment drives or or have a particularly easy navigation system to get through the old, this is what we're running at the moment. It's like, well, okay, that's kind of cool, but it's, but how do I get involved? You know, tell me what night you meet. That might be handy. And uh, that doesn't happen so often. So, yeah, I, I still think there's a, there are barriers to, to the clubs that are around. But, you know, if, if they're playing, and I think that's half the trouble, I think if people are playing and they've got a group, they kind of stop trying at that point when it comes to spreading the love. Because why? Why would you? If you've got you've got a weekly group, I'm sure some people have been playing the same campaign for forty years, so um, and they've got their table full, and that'll do. Yeah, cool. Well, if if you're out there, if you're one of our avid listeners, or someone's pointed this podcast, and you want to give us a clue, why don't you get more involved? Is there a reason? Is there something stopping you? Is there something we can do to help? Send us a private message, a direct one, say something on the forums. We encourage everybody to, to get out there and form more of a community because we've probably got more in common than we have that keeps us apart. So, you know, feel free to get in touch. Let us know what you think because it's one of those difficult things where if you're a person who doesn't really communicate much, then we can't help you communicate more if you don't tell us what it is, but you don't want to communicate in the first place. Who knows? But as I say, feel free to view us as a safe harbor. Come and give us your opinions. <laughs> Let Uncle Baz and Uncle Gaz help you out and bring you closer to the community and become a more active member. What do you say, Baz? I say I'm not really that grumpy, honestly. Just a bit grumpy tonight. Sorry, everyone, if I'm saying the <laughs> game is a crap. We're not crap. We're excellent. But I just wish more people knew we were. So speak up. Tell us about your excellence. And we will agree with you like I always agree with Gaz. Awesome times. Well, thanks very much, folks. Do let us know what you think. And if you are one of the more vocal people... Don't stop being. Feel free to carry on telling us what you think, why we're wrong, what would you do differently. And we'll see you next time on What Would The Smart Party Do? Cheerio!